Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hi, everyone. Leonard Kim here, and welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree. Today, we're going to be talking about why your identity and values are your uh, business. Today, we have Dr. Aviva Lagat with us, and she's going to be sharing uh, her role in three different professions with us. One is as an Ivy League professor, uh, the other is as a business owner, and the other is as a Forbes writer. Um, Through the many facets of her work, uh, Dr. Lagat helps others really go out there and discover their core authentic personal values and use them to leverage uh, and achieve their uh, desired results. So, um, Aviva, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Leonard, and really appreciate you having me on. Hello to everyone out there. Um, So, appreciate that introduction. Uh, So, as Leonard said, I I work in the college admission space, so I'm a college counselor, I'm a journalist, um, and I'm also a professor. Uh, so what I do is I help students and families identify their educational goals and develop a plan to achieve them. Uh, as a journalist, I call to light uh, trends in higher education that affect millennials. Um, for example, recently I looked at performance assessment and the possibility that GPAs and test scores could someday go by the wayside and actually we would uh, end up in a situation where we're just looking at what people can actually do and not what their grades and their test scores say. Um, and as a professor, I uh, teach about issues in uh, diversity and teamwork and collaboration. And what I find is that um, many of the issues facing companies are really similar to those faced by universities, and those issues thereby affect students. Um, so really what I've come to find through, um, through developing into these roles is that there's so much intersectionality in our lives. Um, within both the personal aspects of our life and the more professional ones as well. I know I told you the story, uh, Leonard, on Facebook about uh, the reason that I got into the college admissions space in the first place, um, Mm -hmm. which was because of a fear. And I know you're a a guy who talks about fears also. Um, So in high school, I was really afraid of failure, of not getting into my top choice college. And as a result of that fear... Um, I pretty much obsessed about college, um, all aspects of it, and I was really fixated on my first choice college, which was NYU. Uh, through, you know, I guess it was about a year and a half I wanted to go to NYU. I was pining for it all this time, and then culminating all this pining, I built up this stress and I actually got pneumonia the month before my applications were due. Um, yeah, that's and crazy. So, yeah, it was kind of a crazy experience and story. And, um, you know, luckily I got in. I don't know what I would have, you know, how I would have felt if I hadn't, but I remember feeling this sense of relief. But then, you know, in hindsight, I realized it was, um, I had completely uh, the wrong assumptions about college, what its role in my life would be, the importance of going to, you know, NYU specifically and so forth. And I realized it was really all part of a larger journey in life and that, um, but at the same time, I think a great lesson that a lot of business owners can take away from my story is that, you know, these transformative moments in our life are really the building blocks of what end up being 
the ways that we impact other people's lives. Um, and um, so that's, that's the, the sort of like the, the raw part of me that I bring to my work as a college counselor. And um, my on-paper expertise um, is, I would say, why people come to me. And my, my story is why people stay with me. Um, mm-hmm. So my on-paper, uh, my on-paper expertise is that I you know, worked in admissions. I um, was on the admissions committee for the Wharton School on the undergraduate level. I oversaw the pre-college program leadership in the business world and uh, its senior capstone course. Um, and so there I got to really find out what are these committees looking for? What are the priorities and factors that go into an admissions decision? What are students doing wrong when they apply? What are they, what missteps are they making? What challenges are they having in articulating themselves? And so I, I take that together and I uh, work with them to help them figure out what's really important to them, what are their educational goals, and where can we find the intersections between their lived experience and what these colleges are seeking. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to discuss on today's show is identity and the other one's values and how they relate to your business. Now, me personally, when, when it comes to identity, like I've had a lot of different phases in my life, like from when I was a kid to growing up and trying to figure out like where I fit in. Then in adult life, a lot of my identity, I felt attached to like what kind of work I did, how much income I was making. And uh, like when I wasn't really working and I really didn't have uh, income coming in, like I felt like a loss of a sense of identity as well. Like um, some people out there, they don't even know where they even began to like find their identity. Um, so what tips would you have for someone who wanted to go out there and figure out what their identity was to begin with? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, for sharing that experience. And I agree. I think it's very easy to attach our identity to external things, whether it's the things that people perceive us as or the ways that people perceive ourselves. Uh, you know, the way that we perceive ourselves, you know, like I just sort of checkbox traits like our race and ethnicity and how those are perceived, um, you know, by the larger culture. Um, things like you said, like money, where you go to school is a, a lot of the issue that I deal with. And I think there's that fear of um, not fulfilling that, that perceived identity or that uh, the identity that people feel they're entitled to or should have a piece of um, through this process. Um, so the tips I have on finding your identity is, well, number one, I would say it's really difficult. So there's three things, though, that I think really uh, help people get to the core of what their identity is. So first and foremost, I definitely recommend that everyone seek out multiple mentors. Um, mentors can help you, help you see things in yourself that you can't see in yourself, and that can help give you uh, some ideas about directions you might want to go in in terms of action stuff or in terms of, like, oh, I didn't realize you. Like, people always would tell me, oh, Viva, you're so organized. And I never felt that about myself because I would think, well, my desk is so messy. Um, my clothes are piled up really high. I'm not organized. But <laughs> I think they were right in that I have an organized way of thinking about how things 
this together, uh, that I'm a good planner and things like that. So it was really interesting that people kept saying I was organized. They kept thinking, you know, these people are wrong. You know, what do they, what do they know? But um, they, they were right. They were right. And so I think, you know, when people compliment you and if you don't really believe them, then I would maybe take a moment and, and think like, well, you know, what might they mean by that? What is that? What do, how do I you know, make sense of what they're saying about me? Because it must be true if someone is perceiving you in that way. So what, is that, what does that mean? So I think mentors listening to others, that would be number one. Number two would be to always look for connections between people and ideas. Um, and as I, as I said, my, there's been a lot, of, I think, a theme in my life and my career has been intersectionality and how things uh, fit together. So, you know, one example I'll give from my own life is that um, I'm writing a book now on uh, people's, uh, successful people's college experiences, people who went to top colleges. What were their struggles? What were their triumphs? What advice do they have? Um, and I, um, I'm just starting interviews now, so I don't have any takeaways yet. But what I realized uh, is that the audience at Forbes might also find my takeaways helpful. So I pitched my editor at Forbes and, you know, asked if they might like to, um, you know, hear the results of my interviews, and they said yes. And so um, that's, you know, one example of, of a way that you can connect, you know, things that you want to bring to the world of value. You know, how can you connect other places to your ideas and enhance their impact? So connecting ideas and then connecting people um, who uh, are in line or who may be interested in your ideas. Uh, the next thing I would, uh, the next and last, perhaps most important thing is to stay humble and keep learning. Um, I know there were times in my life where I just felt really defensive and closed off and I didn't want to take feedback from anybody. I was really sensitive or defensive and I just felt like I knew what I was doing and I didn't want to hear anything about it because I didn't want to get derailed. But that's not really necessarily the best um, the best mindset for being successful. Um, what I would say is that, you know, you, you can you can never be, I mean, almost no one can't learn. Everyone can learn something, um, but you have to be open to it. So by staying humble and open, knowing that, you know, you don't know everything and that's okay and you can actually become better, um, a better performer, a better person if you keep yourself open and humble and that you learn something every day. Interesting. About your second point about you writing that book for the uh, college experiences, one of the mm -hmm. interesting things that I've heard um, <clears throat> from a colleague of mine, Keith Ferrazzi, uh, he read the book Never Eat Alone, Who's Got Your Back, and is about to write Co-Elevation. Um, he told mm -hmm. me one of the most important things he learned was in college when he was over at Yale, and it was from one of those secret societies. And um, when he talks about the secret societies, he's like, yeah, they're not what other people think. They don't get in the room and wear, like, you know, different things and just go do chats and stuff. But what they really do in those um, secret so-called societies is they really open up and talk about their personal problems. And what he found was that by opening up and talking about his personal problems and just being genuine and honest, that was really what was the... Uh, opener for him to help build relationships, create trust at a faster level, and uh, really was like the motivator behind the success that helped him become the youngest CMO of a Fortune 500 company before the age of 30, uh, back when he was running Deloitte and Starwood uh, Hotels, which was pretty interesting. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating. That sounds like an amazing experience. I definitely want to uh, learn more about that. And I can't say I know a lot about secret societies, but um, I'm, I'm always happy to hear stories of people who have found friendship um, through college. I think a lot of people have stories where, you know, college was transformative just for the people that they met while there, not necessarily in terms of their professional success, but just in terms of the lifelong connections um, that they have and, and perhaps the confidence or, um, you know, sense of identity that that gave them going into their, into their lives and into the career. So that's, that's a great story, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I think, you know, for some people, college was a really transformative experience, um, but for others, it, it may have just been sort of a, a way, uh, you know, a way forward to whatever the next transformative experience was. But I think, you know, a lot of people share uh, the experience of going to college uh, in common, especially among the listeners here. And uh, it's not something, though, that you often ask your friends or your colleagues about, um, but it's, an, it's a, a really interesting Oftentimes, we have really interesting stories, so I'm excited to bring these stories into life through my book. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And what you touched about for the third point, being humble and open. Like, I know when I was like 20, 21, I thought I knew everything. I was very cocky. I was very arrogant. And I thought I knew what my identity was. I'm like, this is it. And I try to spread it around. And everyone's like, oh, you're so full of it. <laughs> so I really believe that being like humble, open, and uh, listening to others' opinions really does help shape everything out. And in regards to your mention about the mentors at the very beginning, I mean, at the time when I was at the lowest point, like um, me being Asian, like um, I looked at my colleagues who are Asian and most of them are in like high five figures, low six figures. And I was sitting around looking at some of my tax returns that were like 12000 for a year, 30000 for a year. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Do I even have an identity? <laughs> like, um, it was really hard for me to like really figure out how to place myself and that kind of led to like a lot of depression self-doubt feelings of inadequacy and whatnot but then um, that mentorship program kind of really did help because I went online and I started reading other people's materials and kind of created like virtual mentors where I could go out there and follow their lead and try new things and like kind of everything just flipped around and I, it took a long time to really build up that confidence and everything but I think if it weren't for those um, virtual online mentors, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Mm, that's well, that's really inspiring to hear. And I, I completely agree about mentors. And what you were saying also made me think of, um, you know, the incredible support that I've received through uh, a mastermind group that I started. Uh, there are a number of, of folks I took a, an online course with, and it was a course hosted by Dory Clark, who has a course for people who want to become a recognized expert. I was in the pilot group of that course, and uh, about 10 of us, and we all happen to be women, uh, formed uh, this mastermind group about two years ago, and we've, you know, followed each other's progress and supported one another's successes, and we can go in there and complain if, you know, something bad happened during our day, or we can go in there and celebrate if something, you know, really good happened in our day, and just knowing that People are, are, are watching, they're looking out for you, they care about you. Uh, it's very motivating, and it's also very motivating to see what other people are doing. It can give you ideas and inspiration for things that you can do, and it can help you to refine your own ideas. And that, I think, goes back to the idea of identity and values. 
it helps you to kind of revisit those and redefine them for yourself because I think they evolve over time as you have new experiences and you encounter new people. I'll speak for myself. I'm a, I'm a new mom and I have a, you know, I have a son and he's turning three months old tomorrow. So this is like, this is a very new experience for me, a very new identity for me. I'm exploring what that means, uh, in my life now, what it means in the world, uh, how people perceive me will probably change. Uh, hard to know yet because I'm just sort of coming back to things, but um, you know, we're always evolving based on new experiences we have in our lives. Well, congratulations on being a mother. That's pretty awesome. Thanks. Thanks. No problem. Thanks. I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> I met Dory back in person uh, in November. We chatted a few times before that, but um, our buddy Saul Armal was uh, hosting a cookie-off where 50 bakeries got together and baked cookies, and we did it at uh, the last bookstore, maybe, in New York. I forget Mm -hmm. exactly where. But Dory Clark showed up, Keith Ferrazzi, Seth Godin, um, that person who's called the Super Connector, I forget his name. The guy who wrote the subtle art of not giving a half. He was there. A lot of interesting people. It was pretty fun. I just came for the cookies, though. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a really fun meetup. You know, come for the cookies, stay for the company, I guess. Yeah, it was really fun. So uh, what awesome. we'll have to do right now is we'll just have to hop off to a little quick commercial break. Um, you can find me mm-hmm. at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Um, where can everyone find you, Aviva? I'm at ZVED Consulting. It's Z as in Victor, I, Z as in Victor, E-D Consulting. Perfect. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Thanks. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. 
Hey everyone, welcome back. Leonard Kim here with Aviva. If you've listened to the first half, uh, portion of this segment, we really talked about identity and how to really go out there and find that. And you could do that through mentorship. You could do that by going out there and um, looking for... Uh, one, one second. <laughs> uh, you could do that through mentorship. You could do that through uh, going out there and... Um, what was number two again, Aviva? Connecting people and ideas. Connecting people and ideas. And three, you could really go out there uh, with <coughs> really, um, I, I forgot. <laughs> what was number stay, three again, too? You got hum- to stay humble and keep learning. <laughs> stay humble and keep learning. <laughs> These are really hard yeah. lessons to learn. But then, hey, uh, so let's go, let's go back to that. Connecting the dots, having mentorships, and connecting ideas, and really going out there and staying humble. But these are three important lessons that you really have to have to go out there and create your identity. Um, this segment, do you want to kind of go into, like, what happens when things change? Kind of like how your role is right now is changing from, like, um, uh, changing into the role of a mother and what kind of impacts that's going to have on your mm-hmm. personal identity? Because I think that's a pretty sure. interesting topic to bring up. That's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think the answer to that is still a work in progress. It's still a let me get back to you. But, um, you know, as I said, I really think these transformative moments in our lives are the building blocks of, of what ends up sticking with us and what matters. And I can tell you, you know, just from the experience of being pregnant and, uh, you know, giving birth to my son and now being a mom, I feel like I've always been a very motivated person. But I, I see a change in myself that I I don't let myself get afraid of doing things as much anymore that I just do them and I don't think as much. I just go for it. Um, so for me, I'm, I think I'm beca- I've always been an action-oriented person, but I've also been someone who overthinks things and will uh, sort of like noodle all the possibilities before actually moving forward. Uh, and so now with my son being here, you know, of course I have, um, I do still work a lot, but I work, you know, during certain hours when I have help with the baby. Um, and I know I'm, I have to be a good model for him and prepare um, for him to, you know, really understand what I'm doing. So I feel like I have to be as good as I can be because like now I'm a mom and I don't really have an option to slack off or overthink. Um, so I think that's been like a really nice thing about motherhood is that I don't overthink as much as I used to. That's good. Uh, one situation I personally encountered is back in 2013, I started writing like around May. Uh, by the end of 2014, I ended up in a relationship after not having a relationship for a really long time. I had like 10 million reads on my content. All these people were calling me an inspiration, but I still kind of identified as that person who was stuck at an entry-level job and $16.24 an hour, not getting promoted, being passed up for emotions, not moving ahead, putting my head down, working hard, and not really seeing the results of everything. But then for my writing, it kind of just took off and took a life of its own, and people were calling me like an inspiration and all these other things. And at that time, like, I had a lot of difficulty, like, accepting it all. I think some people call it, like, imposter syndrome or something like that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, they don't know who I really am, even though they kind of basically knew more about me than I knew about myself. (laughs) Right. Like, uh, the funny thing is, like, 
everyone else was saying like all these great things and then like I was stuck in my own head going no I'm no one fancy I don't even know how I found a girlfriend I don't even know how I got in a relationship like I'm still this like I still kind of like identified myself as that entry-level employee and kind of struggled with that like I, I know like change could be a really drastic thing where it could be a change into motherhood it could be a change into a new career or um in a best case scenario it could be like a change to massive success like um do you have any tips for people on like how to like deal with the situation like that oh that's such a great question and i i totally i want to say first that i relate to your situation and just sort of like this the imposter syndrome, I think that that is real for a lot of smart, successful people, um, that once you sort of, once you get more success and you're surrounded by um, a higher and higher caliber of people in terms of, not necessarily in terms of their character, but in terms of what they've achieved, it's like, you know, it's sort of hard to believe that you're in this kind of company and also that you belong there. Um, and I think yeah. that, you can only, or not you necessarily, but one can really only overcome the imposter syndrome when they feel that sense of belonging and they feel, um, you know, like they, like they're in the right place at the right time. Um, and I think I'd go back to, um, you know, what I said earlier about mentorship that, you know, I think that there are, are probably people who have achieved, who, who, you know, who would be further along than me that I feel like I've been able to look to and to, um, you know, say like, hey, this, I can see myself in this person in certain ways, so, you know, why don't I deserve to be in this position, or why not me? Um, huh. So, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a struggle to deal, to deal with it, but I would try to find people who you can relate to on a personal level, and I think, I mean, I, I know a lot of people love video. For me, I like connecting to people through reading their writing more so than video. Um, other people might like watching videos and take you know, comfort in that. So just like listening to like things like TED Talks, like I know you've done TED Talks, uh, Leonard or That thing um, was hard. Yeah, I'm sure that was really I'm sure that was so hard to hard to prepare. I mean like you're like now you're like I'm a TED speaker and then and for me, you know, I'm a I'm a Forbes writer and I know that, you know, I'm not the only person who has expertise in this area, but I've you know, sort of built my career to, you know, kind of make a, a lucky situation for myself where, where someone ended up asking me after I had written for um, another blog. So, you know, hard, I guess they say uh, hard work and, you know, preparation is, is luck. Um, but dealing with it, I think, you know, I always, uh, you know, I'm grateful to have a, an awesome support network and, you know, my husband and my family. So I think you're leaning on your family, your friends, whoever um, is, is there for you. Um, it's great. And then if you see people, and I don't know if you've seen this one, but I've seen people who, you know, I worked with a number of years ago, um, and they just, they get kind of weird about um, my success. Um, and I'm not saying that in a way to say, like, I'm better than them, but just, like, they just don't want to, you know, connect with me in the same way, or they feel intimidated. Um and, you know, I think that's really hard, but I think you find out who your real friends are and who's really supporting you um, as you do achieve success and you have challenges and, um, you know, you see who's there for you, who's using you and who, you know, you might need to move on from. And it's hard. Yeah. Within the first year uh, when I started writing, like this guy, Brian, um, 
we used to like hang out all the time and then he's like you're such a fraud you're this and that and he would just like go at me like all the time and this other guy robert like um we used to hang out like every other week and then like he was like he, he just flipped on me too and it was like the weirdest thing i'm like i thought you were my friend why are you like being so weird to me now and like mm-hmm. we had to cut ties and go our separate ways but then like other people who were you know kind of lurking around in my life kind of came out and like supported me as well and they're like hey let's build a closer friendship and um they genuinely like really believed in what i was doing while other people just wanted mm-hmm. to be loved too and you get like all these different things like it's kind of weird how everything around you changes i think what it is is some people they always see you at that same level as them or maybe you're a little bit below them on the totem pole that when they see you moving ahead they try to drag you back down because they want you to stay back in that place because if you move up right they feel like they have to do more and they have to go out there and uh, make a difference in their life to move up to and they don't want to <laughs> or two they never really respected you to begin with and I, I think that's one of the problems with friendship is sometimes um, friends don't have actual respect for each other and mm-hmm. they just want to like hang out but then that lack of respect is kind of unusual especially for a friendship mm-hmm. right not right. sure why and, but it's weird <laughs> It is weird. I think, you know, friendships are based on, on different things. I know for me, um, when I was in a difficult work situation, I had a number of friends, I would say, who were sort of my comfort and solace in the office at that time because things were so bad, culturally speaking. And then once I got out of that situation, we sort of didn't have anything in common because, you know, they chose to stay in that environment and I chose to leave. Um, and we have, you know, our own reasons for why we might stay or why we might leave. But, you know, our common thread, you know, was gone. And so, you know, those friendships are gone. Um, and that, that changes us. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But I, I guess yeah. that's just how life works. <laughs> I can't really pinpoint yeah. that on anything, really. Definitely, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I think we're... I think that goes to sort of like an overall lesson, which is like we're as good as the people who we surround ourselves with. And um, I have really come to realize that. I think I think with, with coming to this kind of special, I met a lot of great people at NYU, but I would say actually my high school, which was Princeton High School, the public school in Princeton, New Jersey, and at 10, um, I really got uh, some, some really high quality, some high quality connections. And then, was they also like longer connections with the pe- those people in high school and then at Penn. Um, and those folks sort of formed my initial network. And then I've realized you also have to go beyond sort of your comfort zone, like beyond your schools. Um, like who else can you talk with? Where are those, um, where are those intersections that are mutually beneficial? And then um, I think we're all just shaping each other, uh, each other's, identities along the way um, and I've, I've learned so much from all the conversations I've had um, as a business owner and, and even before. Yeah, I think it's the same way. Like five years ago, if I look at my network, it was mostly salespeople and people trying to start businesses to potentially make a lot of money. Then when I look at my network now, it's a lot of people who went to like Ivy League schools, consultants, business owners, successful business owners, um, authors, and um, scientists, like researchers, like all these different things, like all these credible 
well-established, smart people, and I'm sitting here going, hey, cool, thanks for letting me in your group. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of, like, changed everything. Like, those networks and those connections, like, really have opened up doors to, like, so many different things that really wouldn't have happened if I didn't really go out there and start writing and making those connections with people online. Mm -hmm. Um, That brings me to a question, like, in regards to you writing for Forbes, do you think that's opened up more doors for you, or um, what do you think that has Mm -hmm. done? What kind of impact do you think that's had on your life? Well, um, I've been with Forbes for about six months, and I think I'm really just starting to realize the impact of it now, um, one um, one thing I would advise anyone who's contributing to publications um, to do is to um, you know, talk with the best possible people you can on the topic um, that you're that you're researching on. So, in the case of my last article, performance, which I mentioned was on performance assessment, um, I spoke with um, the person who was in charge of the organization who wrote the policy report. Her name is Linda Darling Hammond, um, and she's actually a former uh, team lead campaign advisor to Barack Obama and a Stanford professor, a really like a top leader in education. And she was incredible um, to talk with on the phone. We had a great interview. And um, you know, I think it translated into a really good article and it's been resonating with, with folks who have read it. Um, and so what I've realized is like when I first approached my fourth column, I just kind of thought, well, this is a cool opportunity. I can kind of check this off on my, you know, my resume. People will want to come to me because I write for Forbes. And what I've realized is that um, Forbes is not really just, like, a thing to put on your resume. And, and, like, I should take my own advice. This is what I would tell my students. Don't just do something and put it on your resume. Um, <laughs> but what I've realized is it's a vehicle for getting great stories, for meeting people, um, for, um, you know, sparking new connections to new ideas um, and opening um, doors of opportunity. Um, and actually, the you know the book I'm writing, as I said, I'm going to be turning um, aspects of that into Forbes columns. So um, it's a it's a great platform and um, a wonderful way to connect with amazing influencers and thought leaders. Um, and I, I'm in the under thirty category, so I really enjoy talking with millennials, especially since a lot of the you know a lot of I serve millennials and Gen Z, so I always enjoy. Uh, interacting with young people. I, I'm not, you know, I'm young also, but not as young as, as those young people. Um, and uh, it's just uh, a joy to to be part of that. Nice. Do you think it's, like, opened up doors for you to talk to people that you wouldn't have been able to reach before? Um, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, now that I have, you know, now that I'm able to um, be informed if there's someone that I want to cold cold email and I haven't I haven't done this yet but I'll I'll test it and I'll let you know but I feel like I have a much better grounding to say you know hey I'd like to interview you for Forbes this is what my series is about I'd also like to you know feature you in my book you know are you interested and available and I think when people hear you know do you want to be featured in Forbes like usually the reaction is yes um, so it, it gets you to, uh, you know, the people who you might want to be talking with, um, for other, other aspects of your life. So, um, nice. I feel like I said, I'm really just starting to realize the impact of it now. And, uh, when I started, I just, I was just sort of figuring it out. And now I think I've really, um, learned the, the gravity of it, the impact of it and how it can specifically, um, 
help with my larger goals and how I can enhance, obviously, the, the reader experience and, the, and bringing the, the best stories to the platform. Um, and so I guess, and this also, I think, goes back to my college counseling and, and what I would encourage my students to do is like, let's, you know, try something out, see how it works, and then figure out its meaning. Um, because you don't always know what something is going to mean to you until you, you spend some time with it and you get some experience in it. And, uh, you know, one misperception that a lot of my students have is that they just, you know, add a lot of random activities, show up to club meetings and think that that looks good for colleges, but that's not really true. And you actually have to spend time with an activity, um, lead in it, make an impact, add value to others in order to really get its full value for yourself. Um, so uh, that, that's, a, that's a little tie in there that I, that I just thought of. Awesome. Well, it's about time for our next commercial break, so uh, we'll be back shortly. You can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and where can you find you again, Aviva? At Vivad Consulting. Perfect, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern noon pacific on the voice america influencers channel change starts here change starts now join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Leonard Kim here with Aviva. And over this course of the show, we really dropped into getting to know your identity, your identity, 
we've moved into what happens when things change and that kind of has an impact on your identity as well. And in this segment, what we're really going to talk about is your values. Um, values, as you know, are things that you carry from childhood, from how you were growing up to where you are today. Um, how important is that to who you are, Aviva? Value and how important are values to me, me personally? Yeah, and to a business and to whatever you're doing in life. Oh, thanks for asking. I think your values are really paramount because you have to know why you're doing what you're doing in order to know, um, you know, in order to do it well. And I think you also, values also help you to articulate your value and to match yourself up with the right opportunities. So hmm. for my students, for example, I help students apply to college. I help them to figure out what are their what are their values and what are the core strengths that they're going to bring to the table when they go to apply to college and how do those strengths and values match up with the college's strengths and values. There has to be some kind of um, connection and mutual benefit that, that can be identified um, in order to really have a good case for, for moving forward in the admissions process. Um, and I think similarly for a business, you have to um, understand your core values in order to figure out you know, who your customer is, um, how you want to serve them, and what you're going to offer. Um, and for me, uh, the values development process in my business has definitely been um, you know, a stepwise process. I didn't sit down and just write down my values, but it's been a continuous revisiting of what those values are and who I'm serving. Um, and I, I figure this out by getting feedback from my customers, um, you know, through putting out surveys, through um, follow-ups after uh, service to ask about their experience and figuring out what people are really wanting from me, why they're seeking me out um, in order uh, for me to deliver the best uh, service possible to them. So I think values nice. are absolutely critical and they're a very much, uh, they're very much ignored. Um, I also think that related to values, the culture that we um, build in our uh, in the way we do business and within our own businesses is really important to how successful it is. Um, in my work uh, at Penn, where I teach about uh, teamwork, diversity, and collaboration, we learn a lot about uh, different companies and how um, the cultures may uh, enhance collaboration and productivity and how it may um, diminish collaboration and productivity. A lot of that comes down to how heard people feel, how, how much of a sense of belonging they feel. Um, and really, I think that ties back to the values matching process. Is this com- what are these companies' values, and do they really match up with the employees within that company? So let's go through like a little exercise for like value matching. Let's say, theoretically, I'm a student or I'm someone looking for a job. And since you have familiarity with NYU since you went there, you kind of know the values and everything in regards to what NYU offers. Let's say I wanted to uh, attend or work at NYU. What, what kind of um, synergies would I have to like look for within myself and within the institution? Mm-hmm. Great question. So for any university, you can apply this kind of framework to any university. But um, I'll, I'll apply it to uh, NYU since that was the first school you mentioned. So the first thing I would look at with any college that a student wants to apply to 
is what mm-hmm. is the mission or what is the motto of that college. In the case of NYU, the motto is to persist and to excel. So mm-hmm. NYU really speaks and has kind of an overall character of this kind of like scrappy drivenness. Um, and and I would say a sense of cultivating kind of like individual um, excelling and um, and growth. So, you know, again, looking for scrappy New Yorkers, <laughs> not, not surprising, <laughs> right? So yeah. uh, NYU, NYU loves to um, admit people who really want to be in the city. Uh, they want to admit people who have shown that they've been able to uh, break through adversity. And they want people, um, regardless of their major, a lot of people are very artistic. They're interested in the theater, um, in music. Um, you know, they might you know, have a, a side hobby or, or something in that. Uh, even if they're not applying to those uh, those kinds of majors, uh, but really NYU is all about I guess this scrappy New York character um, and large. Um, so you know, I guess I would ask myself if I was a prospective student, you know, am I can I really handle this kind of scrappy independent culture? And you can experience it yourself if you go visit the campus. There's not you know a full a full campus like there would be at a Penn or another traditional college. Um, there's lots of majors. Uh, it's it's huge. It can be overwhelming. Um, so certainly, the visit can help you kind of figure out the values and feel them out, and if they resonate with you. But the concrete way to do that without even going to campus is to look up the mission statement or motto. The next thing would be to go to the department uh, that you're interested in applying to. If it's an engineering college or if it's a business school, you go to that department, look at some topics that interest you, and look at what professors are doing in that department. What kind of work are they doing? What kind of courses are they are they offering? And are you interested in these courses? If you if you think, oh, this sounds cool, um, but I don't understand this, it may or may not be the place for you because the the way that they're teaching might not resonate with you. So I would definitely look at the major. Um, I would also look at the strategic plan for the university and look at what the president or the dean's priorities are for the school. So if the school, for example, is looking to expand service opportunities, they want to expand on research, and you've got services research in your um, high school experience, that might be a good fit for you because you as a student are going to help them to fulfill their, their values and their strategic goals in service and in research. Um, and then finally, I would just look at what alumni are doing now. You can look at LinkedIn and do a search by college to see what kind of industries people are in, what kind of jobs they have. And if you are bold, you can actually reach out to these alumni, ask them for a short conversation, and figure out what their experience was like, what advice they have for you. And, and in my view, anyone who would respond to a message like that would probably be pretty helpful. Um, and then when students are researching the colleges themselves, I would also suggest they email um, representatives at the college of the offices that are relevant to their experience. So, uh, for example, if there's someone who um, likes theater, then they would maybe email the performing arts house at the college, um, visit it if they're on campus, or even just have a phone call with someone. And You'll be pretty surprised, but a lot of people are willing to take a few minutes out of their day to talk with a, uh, a young high school student, to learn about them, to answer questions, and to be a resource. 
Um, and a lot of students don't kind of bother reaching out to the college. They just sort of chance it and, and black, and, you know, they think college is a black box. I can't talk to anybody, you know, don't look at me, just take my application and then let me run away from it. But actually the better strategy is to figure out what the connections are between your values and the colleges and then find the right people um, at the college who will help you to advance your case. That's some amazing advice. And uh, what really makes sense here is like, let's say you're applying to NYU and you're that scrappy self-starter type of person who likes to work independently. It's an idea of fit. But let's say you're that type of person who like has a sense of camaraderie, you like working with others, you like collaborating and building together, then NYU might not really be the right culture fit or the value fit for what you're doing. And maybe a school like the University of Southern California, which kind of embraces those, would be the better way to go. And if you flip mm-hmm. that around to not just schools, it kind of works for the same way for maybe getting a job, running a business, looking for coworkers and colleagues to work with. Like whatever it is, you can really apply these same principles here like let's say you were applying for a job uh, you could look at the company culture you could look at that mission statement you could see how that company is being operated if you're that self-starting mm-hmm. type of person and you're running into like a 50 to 100 year old company with a lot of red tape you might not like it there and you might not even last long but then if you're that type of person who's got that culture of working in an environment that's a little bit older, a little bit more structured, a little bit more red tape, and you're used to it, and then you move into like this um, scrappy startup environment where everyone's a self-starter, it might not work for you either. And kind of like right. how Aviva mentioned that you could go reach out to other alumni, you could go actually reach out to people who already work at an existing company that you're interested in either partnering with, working for, or so forth, and go see what kind of culture that they have already. Go ask some questions, get insights. You could go talk to HR managers, kind of like the same way that you could go talk to professors. You could see what kind of work they're doing. And all of these data points really help you figure out like where you fit into the world and first like as we mentioned earlier that identity section is really important you really have to figure out what your identity is there's so many people going out there saying oh i need to make a business so i can make a lot of money i need to become an influencer so i could get free clothes i need to go out there and get into this college so i could get a degree and get a good job i need to go out there and find a job just so i could go and pay the bills but that's not really how life works i mean it it sounds like what it's what a lot of people do but it's not how life works it's really figuring out what your identity is who you are what your values are uh what you believe in and what you could really move forward towards and then figuring out where you fit in and what aligns Mm -hmm. best to what you're doing absolutely well said and i would add that you can tell a lot about a college and about a company by the kinds of questions that they're asking you. You know, for colleges, you might have some supplements to answer that have different values-based questions on them. And so if you if you look at an essay supplement and you say, you know, I have no idea how to answer this, you know, that might be a litmus test that this college may not be the right cultural fit for you because uh, other people will see that prompt and think like, oh, I know exactly what to write or I have a few ideas about what I might write for that prompt. And I think similarly for a company, if you look at their hiring process and you think, you know, this is ridiculous or I, I don't think I can do this, then the company probably isn't the right fit for you because, you know, the, the admissions process, the hiring process, they're all ways to test out you know, your potential success in that environment. And if you feel like the test isn't you know, set up in a way that you can 
succeed where you can succeed, then it's probably not the right spot for you. And another thing to really consider is that the only constant in life is change. So if you're the collaborative type of person now, that doesn't mean 10 years down the line you're going to be the uh, uh, same collaborative type of person. You might move into that um, self-starter, scrappy type of person and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as, as everyday changes, we evolve and change as people. So you can't get too stuck stuck up on your identity as it is because it's going to constantly change like i've took that myers-briggs test like 10 times and i got like four or five different results so i'm like how does it even change is it constant all the way through <laughs> so i mean like um like as, as you progress in life it's you can't really hold too strongly onto that identity and you have to like look at it as a living breathing thing because guess what um as all living breathing things are they evolve they change they um experience different circumstances and they adapt and move forward from those scenarios and become something new mm -hmm. absolutely and you're becoming an entrepreneur um i really learned that that works well for my lifestyle and i think it could work for a lot of people's lifestyles because you know, being an entrepreneur allows you to carve out your own schedule, which means that you can prioritize things that are important to you. I think when you work for a company, it, it can be a lot harder unless that company has, um, you know, measures in place to, to for self-care to actually take care of yourself because the company wants you to work as hard as possible and do as much as possible. But if they don't have, um, you know, areas to support you, then you're going to burn out or you're going to want to move on or you're going to hate your job. Um, so what I found for me is, you know, Actually, you know, be, being on my own has allowed me to spend more time with friends, to exercise, to meditate, um, you know, to call people, uh, to talk with people that, you know, I wouldn't have spoken with before. And I don't know if you experienced this, Leonard, but when I you know, worked at other places, I felt that I was always representing that, that place and that I had this sort of limitation on who I could talk to and, and how I would be perceived because of that. Um, but being an entrepreneur, I think you can be a lot more fluid about, you know, w responding to these sort of signals to yourself and your identity and how it's changing and you can make a, an adjustment from there. Yeah, definitely. All these different moving parts, like being an entrepreneur really does free up a lot of time where you can kind of like recapture your life, which is what you're living for to begin with, to be around your friends and colleagues and so forth. Uh, we're about mm -hmm. to hit the end of the show, so we'll have to wrap up now. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Grow Your Influence Tree. You can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And where could you find you? Uh, your, uh, where could everyone find you, Aviva? Uh, they can find me at Vived Consulting. Uh, and if oh. you'd like to uh, tweet me, I will offer a free consultation to anyone who tweets me from the show. Awesome. Perfect. So if you want a free consultation, get your messages out to Aviva. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.